Jack. Yo, what's up, man? What's up, brother? How you doing? Good. I'm good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad we got it going on, man. We live. We live as we speak, brother. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. Good deal, man. How have you been, man? It's been years. Yeah, man. I was just thinking to myself, I was like, we ain't really, you know, spoke for real since, you know, I got out. So mm -hmm. it, it's been a minute, man. Yeah. I mean, we've stayed in contact through social media, but actually speaking, man, it's, right. it's been a while, bro. So welcome to the podcast show, man. It's been long overdue, man. The title of my podcast show is Change Starts With You. Um, I'm available on that's where we are recording that as we speak um as you know jack my podcast available on spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere that podcasts are available so we live man and they gonna hear you so um for everybody for the audience this is terrell jackson um who served in the military together so and I call him Jack, so his last name is Jack, so I always <laughs> call him Jack, so hey, so uh, tell everybody, man, like how we met, man, how we know each other and stuff like that. Man, uh, we met on my last duty station. Yeah, so both ran, you know, S1, you were in another, you know, battalion. I was up at Brigade at the time, and, uh, you know, you were kind of like the... The heart, soul, and everything over in in that brigade. I'm not gonna mention the brigade, but or the battalion. But you know, you you did everything for that shop. So anytime you came over, you know, what I'm saying you made sure you had all your stuff together. We'll chop it up every now and again, and you know, even if you had to call and and vent and you know, kind of let let some frustration off. You know, what I'm saying we we definitely connected. But um, yeah, man. I mean, it's always been you know an honor to talk to you and see what you try to do and honestly see how you push through that entire situation, even watching you from afar and, you know, knowing where you were and, you know, where your mindset was at the time, you know, it yeah. was, it was a big, big, big change seeing like, okay, I'm gonna push through it. Things are going to change. And I, I know, like, <laughs> I know you were ready to just say, forget all of it at the way, the way that was, things were going, man. It was, it was very tough, man. Um, not to go too much into detail about it, but we're both about the military we can, but we'll save that for another day. But um right. for the audience, uh I was caught up in the wrong place, wrong time in the military. <laughs> and uh some of the stuff that was uh was accused for I took part in, but not all of it. And right. that's one lesson I learned from that. You know, when you get accused for something or when someone, uh, you know, makes you at fault for something, uh, they kind of feel some type of way when you don't take the fault for everything. Um, right. But I don't know, man. I was always raised, I guess, A, like, you know, you take ownership for what you did, but don't right. take ownership for everything. So Exactly. Um, and... It was it was it was it was a bad it was a bad situation as far as the uh, outcome. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for those who are familiar with the military, I received the field grade Article 15 back in 2016 December. Right. Uh, max punishment. Um, the Article 15 didn't go in my records, thankfully, but I did right. uh, get demoted uh, three ranks down. I got kicked out of basic leader course six days before graduation and lost my promotable status. Uh, December 2016, but 
the positive was December 2017. 365 days to the date. It was December 13, 2016. I got December 13, 2017 was um, effective date for my lateral promotion to corporal. So, <laughs> right. That's, yeah, so I was grinding, man. I was grinding. Yeah. But uh, Jack, yeah. man, he was a stellar guy, man, at the brigade level. Uh, we did S1, that's HR, Human Resources. For the civilian audience, um, he worked at the brigade level. He was responsible for about five different battalions. So imagine um, one entity, one entity being responsible for five different units or five different organizations or five different companies. That right. was his role and responsibility. So, all right, enough about that, bro. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your background just your background in the military career man like you know how long did you serve what are things that you did accomplish uh just just give everybody your spill about your decorated military career oh man it's it's a interesting path you know especially when you start at the beginning because honestly me going into the military wasn't even a thought and it it was definitely an afterthought and you know my mom you know she's retired now but she was in the military and, you know, I saw her go in and the only purpose of her going in was to take care of me and my sister. So, you know, her entire life was like, yo, don't get in. I'm not going to let you get in. You're not going to do it. The whole nine. Right. So um, I just remember saying to myself, like, I'm not staying here in Alabama because that's originally where I'm from and was getting into a lot of trouble at the time. And just 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 reckless, you know, because I just didn't have nothing to do. Small city, you know, hanging with the wrong people the whole nine. So I just decided, you know, I'm going to just go in and regardless of what my mom got to say. And it was kind of, you know, the odds were kind of on my side because she was stationed in Hawaii at the time when I was staying with my aunt. And, um, I went and I did it and nobody knew because I was old, old enough to do it on my own. So went handled everything. And, you know, but even with me doing all that, you know, I thank God for my, my uncle, which is still in the military right now, serving like, I think 26 years right now. He, okay. um, he I talked to him about it and I think he he told me like he thought my mom knew so he told her and so when she came from a high school graduation she spazzed because she was like she was like why are you doing this like why you didn't tell me and we went back and forth but I thank God for both of them because honestly when I walked in there they were trying to get me to be a chaplain assistant and all this other stuff and you know my my, my uncle got connections so he heard about you know 42 alphas being open so that's how I end up getting that position. And, um, you know, even with that, you know, just still being rebellious, you know, end up jo- joining Airborne uh, just because my mom said no. <laughs> so, you know, end up going to Airborne school, got Airborne qualified, um, end up getting to uh, go to 160th for special operations. Uh, really didn't want to, you know, want, want that lifestyle. So, you know, at the time, even with me participating and, you know, I was top notch at that point, you know, crazy PT scores, everything. I ended up pulling my groin muscle for the second time. And then also I cracked my kneecap. So um, they moved me from special ops to special forces. And uh, I supported special forces for about two years in Fort Campbell in uh, fifth group and uh, got a got a deployment under my my belt. Got to see a lot of stuff, which changed my whole perspective on the military, dude. So that was kind of like an eye opener for me for that deployment. 
And, yeah. um, you know, I can't speak too much about it because, you know, I actually had to sign documentation before I left saying, you know, what I can and what I can't say. Um, but, you know, after that, ended up going to Alaska, you know, got married the whole nine and, you know, did my little stick there. And then that's how I ended up in Stewart after that to kind of final it all out because, um, you know, I ran S1 shops left and right, yeah. infantry, uh, brigade. It was like infantry brigades the entire time. You know, being right. being airborne, you're kind of, you know, sectioned off to certain duty stations like you can't go everywhere. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't regret any of it because I met a lot of good people. And, you know, even though I didn't get a lot of just do with all the work that I did, you know, it made me understand that, you, you know, you can do everything up under the sun and they'll still see the negative because, you know, much like yeah, you. I got, I got there to Stewart and, you know, and I, you know, my marriage was on the rocks at the time and, you know, opposed to being smart and just, you know, letting that die out and, you know, the legal system handle it. I end up getting myself in trouble. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't get bust down or anything, but that's how they end up moving me to the battalion over at, right. you know, 164. So, yep. you know, like I tell anybody, you know, I don't regret any of my decisions. You know, do I wish I moved smarter? Of course, you know, but with all lessons, hopefully you learn from all those lessons and, um, you know, decorations and airborne and getting a chance to deal with special operations, special forces and, you know, certain groups that have special names that you never knew existed. You know, it, it was definitely an experience. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world after, you know, 11 years because I got out at eight and then I did another three as a, in the National Guard when I got out when I got here in Florida. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I got a chance to see that side of it, too, which is awful. But, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, man, I've heard horror stories. Yeah, man. So, you know, 11 years in and, um, yeah, man, that that's been my experience, you know, from beginning to end. I, at first I wanted to be a first sergeant, you know, when I first got in and, um, had my first child. And after that first deployment, I was like, nah, I can't, I can't do that. I can't. So <laughs> nah, <laughs> I gotta be at the house, man. So, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it, man. Without going too heavy into it. That's solid, man. That's solid. Okay. So um, how was your transition from the Army to civilian life? Um, like, how was it, man? What was your experience? For those oh. that are going through right now, share something, man. I'll tell anybody. With my transition, you know, I've got a chance to meet a lot of veterans here when I got out or people that were getting, getting out around the same time. And mm -hmm. I'll tell anybody, educate yourself before you decide to get out because i understand you know the military has i guess you could say their the the right vision as far as trying to get you prepared by going to sfl tap and all the other good stuff but right. going to those courses and having things set up it kind of puts you in a in the incorrect mindset you know because when i was going they were like yo your your experience and everything is going to transition to like master degree type levels and you know, people going to eat you up and you can get like a GS9 position, all this other stuff. And then you got here in the real world and they'll hit you with a quick thank you for your service. But they don't care nothing about all that, you know. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, you get out here and you have to um, understand that this is a whole new world and things don't work the same way as it, you know, as it did in the military. And, you know, mm -hmm. what makes it even worse if you're trying to make that transition with mental issues, it's even it's even harder, you know, because for me. You know, I even though I didn't get out medically, you know, I still got out with a 90 percent disability, you know, and a part of that was, you know, uh, depression, anxiety and failure to adapt, you know, because yep. I was just 
so used to the to the things in, in, in the military world and thinking things were a certain kind of way until you sit down, you actually talk to somebody and they realize and they'll tell you like, no, that's not normal. You know, mm -hmm. so. Yep. Um, but I mean, any advice I can give anyone, you know, don't come out here and think, think the world owe you anything. Um, be OK with taking that smaller job, you know. Yep. As as you know, my brother said, you know, I was HR, you know, for the for the entire 11 years I was HR. But when I got out of the military, right. I was working in a warehouse for $15 an hour, putting away mm -hmm. machine parts for a uh, European company that kind of fills part orders for certain manufacturers, right. you know, yep. and that was like, you know, I don't I don't know if anybody's too familiar with the state of Florida, but I was residing in the city of Lakeland. And driving to the city of Oldsmar. Now that is an hour and a half drive without traffic, but Ooh, I have traffic ouch. every every day. So yeah, that's me going to work at 5:30 every morning, getting up 5:30 every morning, driving all the way over there, standing on my feet all day doing parts. And then at the time I wasn't going to school, so I would have to drive all the way back. But when I went to school, I had to do that same time. I would get off at like 4:30, drive to the school that was in Tampa, which was 20 minutes away change my clothes right. in the bathroom and then attend school until 1030 and then drive back to the house at 11 o'clock. I had to do that all over again. So I put in the work and made sure that, you know, my funds were tight. I mean, my funds were right because my kids were here. Right. So that's why I made the transition to Florida. Cause otherwise, you know, I'll be on the outskirts of Atlanta cause that's, that was my initial plan. But, right. but you know, I came down here to be with my, be with my kids and that's where, you know, I've had to make those adjustments, but honestly for anybody, if you can, Go to school for something that's worth school. Definitely try certifications first before you go and use up anything towards just a regular college for nothing. And, you know, don't be afraid to get started somewhere, because even with me working that job for five months at a time, a hiring agency hit me up to work in the job I'm in now, starting me off at twenty nine an hour and, you, you know, um, city group, city group. So, you know, Citibank. But I work for the corporation. And what I do is um, campus recruiting. So my main oh, job okay. is to kind of help vent and uh, facilitate different candidates that want to come and work for city, whether it's a summer program or a full time program. And, you know, I help with the resume pools, invoices, you know, dispositioning and everything like that. Perfect. Good deal. Yeah, yeah man. So I got right back in HR. <laughs> yeah, it's not where you start, man, but it's what you think. And mm -hmm. um, you had a lot of key points. Um, SFL tap that's soldier for life for people that don't know basically that is supposed to be on paper a program that's designed for service members um, while they're still in but are transitioning out 12 to 24 months prior to when their contract or their retirement date happens um, right. for me my experiences in the army uh, mostly as an observer, because I think as a human resource professional in the Army, yes, we process a lot of paperwork, process a lot of actions, interact with a lot of different uh, soldiers and families, and they are considered customers, so to speak. Um, right. But as an observer, it's a lot of things are check the block. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I feel the, so the Soldier for Life is a let's just go through it just to check the block, just to say that that you did it. Um, right. Let's just go mm -hmm. through this equal opportunity brief every three months just to say that we did it. This shark right. program, which is the sexual harassment 
and assault, excuse me, program for the United States Army. Um, we leaders, leaders, people in positions are just majority. I'm not going to say all, but majority, I feel, just check the block and go through the programs. Those online um, classes that we have to do to keep our uh, security clearance account and before you deploy and after you deploy, mm-hmm. it's it's not organic the in in not the actual material in the programs but the care and the energy and the emphasis from the leaders that are supposed to be enforcing and and verifying that it's being done but that's what that's what they're doing they're just verifying that it's done they're mm-hmm. not verifying if hey did you really put some effort into it can you babysit right. everyone absolutely not but right. if you're a leader Guess what? That part of it, of being a leader, regardless if you're in the military, regardless if you're a coach, regardless if you are a parent, um, a supervisor, a CEO, you are supposed to not only make sure that it that the task is complete, but you have to make sure that hey, you know, are you really putting some energy into this? Are you really putting some thought into this? Are you really right. trying to learn something into this? Because we're doing this training. But then when this customer comes in with this situation and you choke in the clutch as a mm-hmm. worker, then we're going to have a complaint. And then we're not staying true to our company mission statement you know, or our company values. So correct. Um, that's my thought process. Um, yeah, I mean, you're spot on with it. Programs. I mean, that was, you know, one of the key things for me to where it did feel like just checking the block. You know, I mean, yep. I participated heavy because with me doing SFL tap and Stewart, that wasn't my first mm-hmm. time because initially I was supposed to get out when I was in Alaska. So I went right. through SFL tap when I was in Richardson. And, um, you know, so I, I already knew what the move was when I got to Stewart. But the thing was, <clears throat> even with those different courses and you going to do those job fairs and all that other stuff, I, I don't know. It just it just felt like it was a placeholder and it wasn't necessarily beneficial. And I know a lot of people will say, well, it's all about how do you how you utilize it. But, you know, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I tried my damnedest to utilize it, you know, and that thing right. was there was just this idea that, hey, I was on top of the world. And when I got out, everybody was going to respect what my what my status was. And I think that's the uh, the discon- disconnect between the military and the civilian world. And I think, you know, we'll have. Right. So, I mean, you'll get a better idea when you get out. And, you know, even for NCOs, what I would say to you, if you're currently in right now, like like Champagne saying, like, you don't have to babysit. But the same way that you coach your your soldier through everything within the military, make sure your soldiers prepare to get out, because I know a lot of dudes that got out and didn't have a plan. And now they're working at a gas station somewhere, you know, and don't know their next move in life. Because they thought the grass was green on the other side. You know what I mean? So I, I know a couple of guys like that. And then even like I, I keep going back to the mental therapy, like let your soldiers go. Like, honestly, let them go. If they don't want to go, make them go. If you see any type of anything in them that doesn't sit right, because that's going to anything them. that sparks, man, it could be the simple yeah. thing. And two things I want to say to that is NCOs, the sergeants and above are that mm-hmm. serve in the military. I, I know as an HR professional, one of the perceptions were, were you know, um, I'm going to try and get this promotion to Sergeant E5 because 
I can put supervisor on my resume. Yep. And that mm-hmm. should guarantee me a supervisor position off the rip. <laughs> you can put supervisor on your resume. You absolutely can. But yep. that's not going to just be the sole thing that qualifies you to be a supervisor uh, or a shift manager or a manager for some company or some organization. They right. don't care about your evaluations. Um, nope. <laughs> they look at your DD-214 just to see if it's honorable. They don't care mm-hmm. about the awards that are on there or the right. combat tours, operational tours. They don't care about none of that. Um, right. So do it for the right reasons. And for the mental health part, uh, for someone that did medically retire and my medical retirement was initiated for mental health. So um, I got the, you know, I was di- I'm diagnosed with uh, mental depression disorder and mm-hmm. everything else carried over the uh, adjustment issues, PTSD, the anxiety, right. neck, shoulder, knee, all that. Um, but two things: go utilize those therapists, those therapists, and those psychiatrists in the military. Yes. Because once you do the VA, guess what? You're gonna have a conversation, 10, yep. 15 minute virtual call, maybe every three to four months just to check the block and all that conversation is going to be is about refilling your medication. And then you're going to have some psychiatrists in the VA that's saying, well, you can refill your medication by calling their number. You didn't have to wait for me to do that. So what's the point? It's a check the block thing. Definitely in the V you know, in the VA system. So utilize those behavioral health things and encourage those people to do it. Don't make them feel small. Don't make them feel like they're an outcast. Don't make them feel like they are, um, being singled out and lastly just because you have mental health conditions that will not exclude you from your dream job right exactly Um, it it won't now you know if you have the oh i'm crazy and all that then guess what you're going to be in a psychiatric ward Mm -hmm. so but don't let that perception of oh you can't go because I have this nice computer job when I get out lined up. And if I go to behavioral health and they see that that's a claim on my VA, that I have anxiety or PTSD or I have depression or I battle with suicide thoughts or whatever, that's going to hinder me. No, no, that's not a hindering factor. Um, It will, it might be talked about or mentioned, but it's not a hindering factor. So, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So uh, moving along. So, Give us a little brief. We'll probably go more with a a couple multiple part series on fatherhood, but I just want to get your initial uh, thought process. How how's your experience been with fatherhood? And it's two part question. That's part one, and then part mm-hmm. two. Have you ever had to deal with being long distance from your kids? Like not not to go so much in detail, but like what has been your how has fatherhood been? What if if you have had what is what has been your worst um, experience or situation or event since dealing with fatherhood and had and have you ever had to deal with it from a long distance aspect? Okay. Um, yeah. So to answer the first question, I mean, my experience with fatherhood has been amazing. Um, it, it's definitely been rough, you know, because even though I am a father, there's always somebody on the other side. So you you have yep. to, you know, make sure that both parties are in the, in the, in the same boat. Cause if not, that's going to make your fatherhood situation worse. 
Um, you can try to be the father of the year all you want to, but if that, you know, if the the systems to be is saying, hey, look, you know, you can't have them all the time and you have to work that out and figure that out or have to um, submit sometimes, that's that's what makes things difficult. Um, I can personally say myself that things have changed a lot over the past six years um, mm-hmm. uh, since my divorce, my divorce. <clears throat> so, you know, I get a chance to see my kids more and spend time with them more, educate them more. And, you know, with me continuing to educate and move, um, even regardless of the, the conversations or the relationship or whatever the case may be, I make sure that I try to educate their mother as well. So in the event that I'm not present, you know, she can do whatever, it, you know, I feel like is fit for them. So right. it, it's really been it's been a struggle. Um, but I wouldn't change it, you know, for work, for the world, for my, my two boys, you know, and I, you know, always count the third, you know, for my stepson as well, even though, you know, I'm not married anymore is, is one of those things like, Hey, if you were ever considered within my household as my child, you always remain my child. So that's, you know, that's how, kind of how I hold things down. But, um, as far as like difficult situations, even in the, in the midst of long distance, I think the, the hardest thing for me has to be the weirdest thing that happened to both my boys at the same exact age. So um, my oldest was born in 2012 and my youngest was born in 2014. The day that they both hit two months, they both got sick with the same thing that we still don't know what it is. Like to the to the point to where, you know, soft spots sinking in, dehydrated, seizing the whole nine yards, can't keep food down like can't figure it out the only thing that you know we kind of came to the same conclusion as you know the me and my ex-wife in the the hospital was that they couldn't take my ex-wife's breast milk which you know within science and and medical field you study so much that you tend to abide so much by the book that you feel things are not possible so they're telling us hey that's that's not possible for them to be allergic to her milk but i'm like if they're trying to eat it and that's what's making them sick then i mean can we use some logic here and put, put two, right. two together you know so i mean i can understand and i respect your your field but you know i'm kind of looking at self-evidence here that this is what's causing it but they both went through it you know and and seeing my my children at that state so young so innocent and so defenseless in the sense of you know not knowing if they were gonna make it or not you know seeing my mm-hmm. both my kids laying up in the bed wired up and, you know, having all these tests taken on them and they don't know what's left or right and them constantly pricking them to get blood drawn. And what made it even worse was the the lack of, um, uh, I guess you say, empathy from the military wow. side. You okay. know what I mean? So it was like, hey, you know, how they doing? All right, we need you coming to work, like, for real. But, you yeah. know, luckily for me, I had NCOs that was like, nah, he's not doing that. So let's get you a leave form sign and you go when you be at the hospital. You know what I'm saying? So, and like I said, that was in two different situations, two different duty stations. So that was, that was something that was very tough for me. But as far as the long distance goes, um, lucky, luckily enough, I've never had to do it, but just one time. And that was when we went on that tour, um, to Germany back in, uh, well, yeah, that first one. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. Yeah, with all those six countries in five months, time, right. <laughs> and the whole brigade spread out, and we got to do all these yeah. personnel yeah. reports three hours yeah, a day, every hour on an hour. Tough. <laughs> that was um that was the the first time 
that um I missed a birthday and that was my mm -hmm. youngest very first birthday. So mm. I'm in a I'm in a tent just laying out because we haven't even started the field games yet. I'm in a tent and thank God, you know, I got my phone on me. got some type of service just to right. call and tell him, you know, happy birthday. But, you know, I missed his first birthday. Yeah. You know, out there playing army games. You know what I mean? So that's uh that that's been been tough. But I mean, I've seen I've seen guys go through worse, you know, and yeah. especially on the special forces side, because that gets rough because they can't mm -hmm. say nothing. It's like, hey, At I'm all. leaving. So and it's like, well, where are you going? You right. I can't tell you nothing. Just just hope I come back. You know, so, right. you know, I never say my situation is worse, but it, it was definitely tough. You know, like I said, going through uh, relationship issues to where, you know, the system is involved, um, you know, the health to where you can almost lose them to the same thing that you don't have any education on. And then, like I said, due to the nature of the job we work, um, just being separated just for that specific reason. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Now, getting towards the end. Um, currently, what's the best part of your day? Off the top of your head, somebody actually three, two, one, go. What's the best part of your day currently? Waking up and not waking up and not hurting as much. Um. Okay. And I and, 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 you know, I have to express this so much to certain people. Uh, the only person that really understands where I'm coming from that I talk to on a daily is my mother. But I, I mean, there used to be days I would get up and my body just wouldn't function. Um, right. Like I just like my lower back, my knees, like nothing would work. And I would just wake up in tears and just really couldn't move. So I, at that point, you know, I would just get so nervous because there was one time I, I was like, yo, I'm paralyzed at this point because I, I couldn't move. I, I couldn't wow. function. And they was like, you know, it's it's the nerves like your, your nerves are pinched. So we just mm -hmm. got to, you know, figure that out. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of like, you know, I still hurt, you know, but it's gotten to that point now to where it's happened so often you're accustomed to it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would say that is. Like the best part of my day, waking up and like, yo, okay, my neck good, my back good, my knees good. I, cool, bam, I can get up. Like, <laughs> like I'm yep. good, good. Yeah. Today is a good day. I like. Yes. It. Yeah, All man. Right, That's how so, I know. <laughs> All right. So we <laughs> talked about some uh, negatives or some uh, negatives towards the army and things that you learn negatively from the army. Support, you know. Um, what are some positives that you learn from the army? Uh, people that are trying to get into the army or you know, the military, um, people that are HR like us currently and going through their careers as HR professionals or just regular soldiers. What are positives? If you can name me, I don't know, maybe two to three positives, no more than five. What are some positives that you learned from the army? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give three, and these three will will always stick with me. Number one, no matter what you do, whether it's military, what whatever, go into it with a plan to have a end game. Um, because a lot of lot of soldiers go in just to get out the house, get away from the city, just to get mm -hmm. some money, just to go to school. Go with a purpose. And that's not enough. Tell them it's not enough. Speak on that. That's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. I promise you, you that's not enough. Why. You got to have a foundation. You got to really, like I tell some of my kids that I coach, right? And I remember mm -hmm. in being in Louisiana and 
having teammates and stuff in in the type of high yeah yeah it's a joy but you got kids you got I have teammates I was kind of like that but I had teammates that they're playing for something like they're they're right. at your practice they're trying to like they trying to like pay to get their mama out of that situation to get themselves out of that situation mm-hmm. or to go out of state to get some degrees so that way they can come back and do something in the community. You know, they right. they the ones in the wintertime, they using a, you know, they oven as a heater. So whatever it is, I feel that you have to have a foundation for why you truly joining the military, which will all out and truly embracing the suck, as they say. Yes. They you know, <laughs> I'm trying to explore the world. I just want to be in another state. I'm trying to get out of my mama's house because they get tired after a while. It gets tired oh, yeah, of living for sure. in that. Tired of doing some mission overseas or whatever, man. You got to have something right. to wear. You know what? Like, I can't get this failure to report or this AWOL, so right. I got to get up out yeah. this bed and do this. Yeah. You you definitely have to go and, you know, I express that, especially in the job aspect of it, too, you know, because, I mean, a lot of people just go in and get what they can't what they can get. But a lot of those jobs don't transfer. So I've talked to so many E7s, uh, brigade commanders, sergeant majors, like yeah. because I've been in the HR field, you know, whether it was staff duty or whatever, I've had the luxury of them seeing that rank is cool. But I'm a man just like you're a man. So we have those conversations. And, you know, I remember having this conversation with a particular E7. We were were on staff duty because at the time, Brigade, um, I think Brigade had already left to go somewhere because I couldn't deploy because I had just came off of a deployment from Alaska. And um, so what we were talking about was he was getting ready to retire and all the E7s were doing staff duty on and off because they really didn't have anything for them to do. So it was like, okay. We'll sit down and we'll politic and we'll talk or whatever. And he, you know, he'll ask me questions. I ask him questions. And the one thing that, you know, made me feel good about the direction, the way of my the way that I was thinking was he thanked me for what what information I gave him and told him how I was moving in my life. Because with him being an E7, you know, he he worked in the defect. So mm-hmm. he had a child. He had a wife. He was like, you know, I paid off all my debt, paid off everything I had to pay off. But the thing was, he wanted to move to Virginia. And that retirement check wasn't going to do nothing in Virginia. So he had a job already to where he was going to be an inspector for the USDA. But the pay that he would have gotten in Virginia plus the retirement check still wasn't enough for him, for his wife and his child. So he had to think like, okay, I have to leave them back here with my parents. And then I go and I establish whatever I establish and then they can come up. So, you know, he hated the fact he had to do that. But a lot of times I see it. And even like I said, speaking with my own mother as a retiree, we have this mindset that once when I retire, I'm straight. But retirement in itself, whether it's military side or civilian side, is dying. So you have to set up your own retirement, which goes into my second thing that I learned. Make sure your finances are straight because you go into the military and that's your first like I I ain't gonna lie. Like I've been working since 15 but I didn't make yeah. no money like I was making in the military. Oh, so I see I everybody like got whips. Like, <laughs> right. Like I, everybody got whips. Everybody got TVs yeah. in their rooms, the latest PlayStations, the latest shoes. Like everybody's showing shoes, out, drinking. Rams, Yo. tenant windows, no Crazy. problem. Crazy. Crazy. Whenever. So then 
when you start looking into that and you start looking at yourself like, yo, how I got a check, but yet I don't have money to put gas in my tank. Or like I, I can't really move like that because I'm I'm kind of pissing away my check. So it's all about being smart with your finances, whether while you're in or while you're on your way out, because I'll tell anybody that retirement check not, not going to do nothing for you. It'll, it'll help, but it's not going to be the say all be all. It's not going to be the savior, no. Right, exactly. So always have a, a plan after the fact, which, like I said with the first one, set up set up a job because I hate it for the drivers. Like that stuff should transfer to a CDL license for them. But Automatic. the fact is, but it don't, which is stupid. Nope. Nope, you like still I can... <laughs> gotta do all the prerequisites for the CDL course. All of it, because like for me, I I have license on almost every vehicle, like even the eighteen wheeler I was driving in the military. Because uh-huh. with special forces, they make sure you got all of it. But uh-huh. it, it was one of those things of even if you do have it, it's not going to transition. So that's why I thank God for my mother with the HR. Because coming out of Alabama, I didn't know what, what was human resources. Like I've never even heard right. of human resources. So <laughs> she, so she, she put me on game. You know, I got the human resources, which led me to my job now. And with me having my knowledge and talking to the right people to know, hey, go to sick leave and don't let the NCOs try to try to punk you out saying, oh, well, you malingering and oh, ain't nothing wrong with you. Oh, you don't need to go to sick call because that stuff come back and bite you in the end when your records ain't right. So when you're trying to uh, overload all your records towards the contract and they look suspect. Yeah, exactly. So get get all your stuff straight. So first, go in with a purpose and something that can carry over if you do get out. Second, make sure your financials are straight and everything is is, you know, on point when you are set to get out or even if you want to stay in and try to make it for the long haul, make sure that you always got something in place for you. And I would say the third thing, um, try try to make as many connections as possible and i don't mean as in like make connections just because off the rip like meet genuine people because there's so many genuine people within the military that that is the sole point that i miss like i i miss all the companionship i miss understanding that i was going to see certain people certain days i could walk up to somebody and they know me off rip yo what up jack and we sit down we just have a conversation right now not a single soul where i stay understand how i work and how i move and what what you know background I come from. So I'm just going in, punching in the clock, doing whatever, you know, kiki and ha ha, because I know how to actual social actually socialize, but it don't mean nothing because when I come back home, I don't I don't conversate with anybody outside of work. Yep. So that that's what I would say, you know, make sure you got got people around you that you can, you know, leave with and even be in there with, get your finances right, and then make sure that you go in with a purpose to potentially have something carry over when you get out as well. Solid. I love it, man. Last thing, last thing, and we'll get on out of here. Okay. Uh, what are what are your short-term goals? What are your short-term goals as far as within the next – what are your short-term goals before the end of 2021? Okay. What are your long-term goals, meaning in the next 24 to 36 months? Um, and share with the audience anything you want to promote, any projects or whatever it is that you're affiliated with. Okay. Um, As far as short term for this year, uh, honestly, is to um, make sure that I continue to to grow my credit score because I've been working on that and getting that situated. Um, Continue to progress within my mental health. You know, I've been going to therapy for like five or six years now. So it has been doing me wonders. 
Um, just making sure that I, I, I do that and make sure I handle that. Um, getting my album out next month. Uh, that comes out on the six, you know, because that's something that I picked up that God knows I never thought in a million years I'll be doing. But I, you know, I thank God for me being able to actually connect and get a relationship with my father, you know, 20 some odd years later. And he introduced right. me to it and I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, and then outside of that, as far as short term, um, that's about it for this year. And then also make sure that I move to a new location in time because my lease is getting ready to go. But yeah, that's definitely something I got. Um, but wow. as far as like my uh, like my long term life goals within the you know next couple of years, uh, definitely have my house by 2023. Because um, okay. you know, like I said, having bad situations with finances back in the day that that will be my when my bankruptcy falls off, so I'll be able to go get my house. Um, man, I, I I pray I'm married again, dude. You know, a lot of I people a lot of people say, man, you really want to jump into it again? I didn't have an issue with the with marriage, man. It, it to yeah. me it wasn't an issue. It's just you know both parties gotta have their stuff together, and, you know, and that's something I've yeah. been educating myself on. As in, like, yo, I came into the situation wrong. So even though, like you said, you know, you take part in what you did, but not everything. I'm mm-hmm. to me, I look at the scenario and I'm like, yo, what could I could have done different? How can I change things up? You know, where did I go wrong, and what can I fix about myself? And that's what I did, you know. And I don't ever point a finger finger at nobody. Like I'll let you understand and figure out your faults. I'll figure out mine, but I'm going to take responsibility for what I didn't do right in a situation. So for me, hopefully, you know, once when I get all my stuff situated, you know, whether it's my mental finances and things like that, like I I pray I find me a good woman to to get remarried, man. Like that right there was one of the best things to come home to somebody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, outside of that, I I have one big one. And I was just talking to uh, Nathan about this the other day. And Uh um I, I want to start looking into and educating myself on how to get my my music into TV spots and commercials. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to start taking this course that's going to show like show me how to make that happen and what type of music I have to do and who to chop it up with and where where to actually look. But I'm, I'm constantly planting seeds like I don't have one seed, you know, plenty more because I used to live my life by taking care of everybody and leaving myself on the back burner. But, you know, right. God took a lot of people out of my life to make me focus on myself. So whether it's the the music, it's the mental health, me trying to, you know, get into the barber thing, just bought, you know, some clippers and some accessories that way to do that. You know, me doing the podcast stuff, uh, me shooting videos all, like I'm, I'm putting my hands in everything just in case something doesn't sprout. There's so many seeds that could po- possibly uproot. And, you know, that's constantly what I'm doing, man. Um, that's solid, man. Yeah. That's but solid. outside of that. Like I said, as far as promotion goes, um, like I said, the album dropping August 6th, this will be my second one. I feel like this will be my best one because there was a lot of long nights and a lot of research and a lot of homework and a lot of practice that went into this and uh, a lot of conversations. And, you know, I I spent a lot of money (laughs) to get things in place and to get a better sound and to make things right. So even though I have the first one, you know, I feel like the second one's going to be, you know, 10 times better. And I got the support behind on this one as well. Um, like I said, I have the podcast. I still have my gaming podcast. That's on there, the gaming grounds podcast. Um, I'm ba- bringing back the insightfully ignorant podcast. Um, I'm on another podcast with, with a guy that I met through, met, met a couple of guys through Twitter. And we've been, you know, chopping up for about the past couple of months now, almost a year. And it's called mm-hmm. a winging it podcast. And that's another, you know, gaming podcast. And 
Um, what else? I know I'm missing something, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a constant. I, I have movement. something where you got where can working where where's your album located? It's what they listen to right now. They listen to this episode and they want to check your album out. Is on Spotify, what? Like, oh, yes, this is, Spotify. This is your promo. This is your promo interview <laughs> right now. 20 seconds, put it out there. Let's All right, go. Put it okay. Out there. So, if you want to listen to the album that's already out, it's called Good Versus Evil. My artist name is Action Jack. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music. Hell, you can even find it on Napster. Uh, this next album is going to be called Open Book, very personal album about my past and it's got some fun tracks on there as well that will be on the same platforms but even i'm spreading this one out to snapchat tiktok so you'll be able to find it all on there as well as youtube music and then eventually i'll put the the content on youtube as well if you don't want to pay for streaming services so i got you covered either way if you want to come out reach out share and subscribe and check out everything that i do as far as music content any of that man that is solid man man i appreciate your time y'all i appreciate you man reach this episode, man, a hey, it's a long time coming for Jack and I yeah. actually uh, verbally dialoguing, but um, this is the first of many. Um, yes, sir. We'll talk <laughs> offline about maybe going bi-weekly or once every three weeks. We we do we connect on a podcast and we chop it up, and we can go more in depth with the uh, multiple part series on fatherhood or uh, right. We can get more in detail about your album, music career, all that. Whatever it is, man, we'll get offline with that. But um, everybody, we appreciate y'all time for listening and taking the time to listen to us. We appreciate the people that will listen in advance. Um, it's my guy, man, Terrell Jackson, man. Jack, hey, we was both human resource professionals. We both served together in the Army. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, dealing with the fatherhood situations and stuff like that. He's in right. his music uh, the same way that I'm into coaching. And we both got our podcasting in our um, specific fields. So just for anybody that needed a reminder, your mom and your daddy didn't tell you, your grandparents didn't tell you, your significant other didn't tell you, your best friend didn't tell you, guess what? Like, you worthy. You matter. You're more than enough. Um, and remember when in doubt, guess what? Like change starts with you, leadership starts with you, whatever it is that you want to see, it starts with you. Um, can't change the world until you change yourselves. I believe he right. said that. So, yeah. um, until next time, Jack, man, uh, this is the end of this podcast, man, episode. And, uh, so we meet again, but I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, brother. Have a good night. You too.